Hello and welcome back to NCBA's Beltway Beef. I'm Tanner Beaton. I'm NCBA's Director of Government Affairs and Market Regulatory Policy. We're joined today by Congressman Dusty Johnson of South Dakota, and we're here to talk about what legislation he has led and introduced in the House of Representatives on improving the cattle markets. Congressman, thanks for joining us today. Of course, Tanner. You bet. Thanks for having me. This is important stuff. You bet. Absolutely. And first and foremost, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the Price Act uh, and uh, kind of what it does? Well, anybody who is familiar with this industry at all, I think, understands how difficult the last couple of years have been for producers. I mean, frankly, we had soft prices before the Holcomb fire, before COVID-19, and those two events, I think, really showed a lot of people, even on Capitol Hill, about how um, sensitive these markets can be, and that, frankly, that Congress needs to do a better job of giving producers a, a real and fair opportunity to earn a living. We need to give them a little more flexibility. We need to give them some more tools. And so my price act is just, uh, we've grabbed 12 different legislative ideas, many of them mine, but some of them from other members of Congress. We're trying to package this together uh, in, in one uh, bill that is, uh, I think, has an opportunity to gain some momentum in letting our urban colleagues understand how important it is that we, we make some progress for cattle country. Absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, NCBA has been supportive of some of those existing pieces of legislation, as you've mentioned, like the DIRECT Act. Um, and, and uh, some other uh, opportunities to expand processing capacity. And so I want to talk about that for just a second, because at the height of COVID, the thing that was the most disruptive was that 40% reduction in processing capacity that we saw throughout the country. And it left a lot of us in cattle country scratching our heads, wondering how we can, how can we fix the, the hook space problem that we have in this country? And your bill seeks to do that uh, in a couple different sections. So let's kind of break some of those down. Yeah, I mean, we've got a number of states, I mean, clearly South Dakota, clearly Texas, that have well-developed, sophisticated state inspection programs. And right now, we don't let uh, state inspection facilities sell across state lines direct to consumers. And, and, and our direct act uh, would, would allow that. And I think it makes a ton of sense. I mean, we're, we, this approach does not undermine food safety. I mean, this approach does not undermine our ability to uh, keep good trade relationships with our country. It strikes the right regulatory balance by allowing these small processors more of an opportunity to sell in the market. I think this is a huge uh, multifaceted win. I mean, I look at uh, all my buddies who, who like craft beer. You know, I'm still pretty happy with Miller Lite, but I have a lot of buddies who like to buy these craft beers. Well, if we provided more flexibility into this meat segment, I mean, you, you will have entrepreneurs. Maybe the SDSU. Uh, Meat Lab wants to have some great branded jackrabbit uh, sausage, and they should be able to sell that to alumni in Wisconsin, and Illinois, and Minnesota, and Iowa, and Nebraska. Uh, right now, we make it super difficult for them to do that. And uh, I think direct sales to consumers across state lines makes a ton of sense when you have state inspection that's as strong as we have in this country. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. I think a lot of our members do. We were very excited to see that legislation roll out. I think part of uh, the thing that is uh, new in this piece of legislation that we've been very supportive of is uh, federally guaranteed loans and some, some grant money for uh, the uh, creation of new uh, meat processing facilities um, and then the expansion of existing uh, facilities. Uh, obviously, uh, I was in uh, Wyoming a couple of months ago and I was talking to a guy that has about a 25 head a day facility out there. And he was telling us that in the aftermath of COVID, uh, he was scheduling kill dates as far out as May of 2021. And that they were uh, definitely in the uh, 
mindset where they could expand capacity if they were had the resource available to them. Obviously, labor is a is a big concern uh, uh, for packing houses of any size. Um, but let's talk a little bit about how uh, some of those cost prohibitive uh, you know measures that we can roll back and allow them to participate in uh, expanding some of those facilities or, or even building new ones. For years and years, the most common concern that South Dakota ranchers share with me is that there uh, is too much concentration in the pack level. And we understand that. That's not just those guys whistling Dixie. That's not me making it up. I mean, there are measures of concentration that economists use to indicate how healthy a uh, market segment is. We do have a lot of concentration in the pack level. That makes sense uh, for four folks to control 85% of the market. And I think one of the ways that we can make this marketplace a little healthier is by creating an environment where we could get some more small and regional processing stood up. And there are lots of barriers to that. And so the Price Act addresses this in two or three different ways. We try to make sure that we get a feasibility study conducted uh, so that uh, we can understand to what extent is there opportunity here. We try to provide some additional financing uh, at USDA Rural Development. And that, I mean, it is going to be, I mean, let's not sugarcoat this. It is really difficult for a small processor uh, to make it through difficult times. We used to have a lot more of them. And then we had a bad, we had a, had a three or four year run of bad prices. And that put a lot of people out of business. But if we can make sure that these people have a good business plan backed by good data, they're well capitalized, then they have more of an opportunity to survive, not just the good times, but the bad times as well. That's right. For those that may have heard the bell in the background, we're actually fortunate enough to be on Capitol Hill with Congressman Johnson right now. Can you explain just really quick, just because it's kind of a fun little trivia and it's a great segue uh, into being back on, on the Hill, what the bell was? Yeah, so there are different uh, setups for bells sometimes on those buzzers. And, and so you, you need like a sheet to understand what they are. That's right. you, five buzzes means that we're voting on the floor right now. And, and right now I'm in my office, Longworth. Uh, those means that, I, that I've got to hustle over to the floor to vote. The one you just heard means that the president released a tweet that should, is of, of interest. <laughs> no, it, it's a fun, it's more of an antiquated system. Clearly in you know the era of cell phones, uh, text messages and, and, and you know notifications from our apps that track the floor do a better job than the bells and whistles and buzzers, uh, but it's still sometimes helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when I was a when I was a Senate intern. We won't talk about how long ago that was, but I the, I had the hardest time memorizing the sheet because it goes up to anything from one bell to twelve bells, and then there's uh, different lengths of bells mean different things. So uh, I'm. I'm Hopeful that you understand what's going on, even if maybe sure. the rest of us don't. Well, and in the Senate, it's more complicated. I mean, in the House, it's pretty straightforward. But in the Senate, there's an additional setup of bells to try to wake the senators up from their naps. <laughs> uh, a very different environment. Absolutely. Well, I tell you what, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up our conversation here, you know, got to, you know, you got to get out and get some votes done. Um, wanted to talk real quick once more, though, on risk management. Obviously, uh, going into two major black swan events. Uh, those that were uh, appropriately managing their risks, you know, they still saw severe impacts, but perhaps not as much if they participated in certain programs at USDA or maybe uh, the products offered by the CME group on the futures market. Um, the Price Act actually does include a bill that you had previously introduced designed at providing some additional resources to land-grant universities and similar entities to help educate producers on the vast number of tools that are available to them to manage risk in their operation. 
Well, and I have a lot of empathy for the modern producer. I mean, you think they have to be experts in genetics and in herd health and in nutrition. Uh, they've got to be experts in, you know, they've got to be mechanics and they've got to be bookkeepers. And these tools have evolved. The tools are stronger today than they were a couple years ago or 10 years ago. They're going to continue to evolve. And But it's difficult for producers to stay on top of these tweaks. I mean, just some that have recently been done, more financial support for people who want to get coverage levels above 80%. You can get a 5% plus up on that. Well, how many producers know that and really understand the nuances of that? I mean, when premiums are due, I mean, those things can change. And when, when producers really understand products, they are more likely to take advantage of them, which means they are in a better position to make it through difficult times. And people love the land grant universities. They do an incredible job. And, and so what the Price Act does, one of our aspects, one of our components, is give land grants an additional opportunity to work with producers so that they understand these continuing to evolve tools. Congressman Johnson, thanks for uh, taking some time to chat with us today. Uh, I can assure folks that are listening to this podcast that the cattle industry has no greater friend and ally on Capitol Hill uh, than Congressman Johnson. So just wanted to say thanks for taking some time. Thanks for uh, taking the concerns of your constituents and cattle producers across the country and putting together some legislation aimed at helping them. Well, thanks. And we do work hard. I'm trying not to suck. I mean, the reality is that it is a hard environment out there for cattle producers, and uh, they do have a friend on Capitol Hill. You bet. You have been listening to Beltway Beef. Until we meet again, eat beef. Follow us online at policy.ncba.org and on Twitter at Beltway Beef. Thanks for listening.